God bless you. It's good to see everyone. You know, we're, we're having a lesson, some deep lessons of who am I. We're learning some stuff. And um, I'm going to give a little review of what we chatted about last week, and then we'll talk about some other things. And um, so last week, you saw Pastor Melly here. So the Holy Spirit instructed the prophetess of the house. You see, our, let's give a round of applause to our prophetess over here. She said the Holy Spirit instructed her to focus on identity. That's why Pastor Melly spoke last week about identity versus personality. Because personality is what you is the outward result of an identity. So she put logic to the test. You know, it was a, a few days ago. I was reading to her what she had said. And I, I was reading, and I said, if, if you don't know who you are, how can you possibly believe in the God we are trying to teach you about? She said that. And she said, wow, that's deep. I said, but you said that. Oh, <laughs> um, it is very powerful stuff. And she goes on to say, we are suffering from multiple personalities. 97% stay the same in the same state, she was explaining to us. Pastor Melly concludes by saying, unless you realize who you are, how can you believe what you are being taught? You have to know who you are to understand what you're being taught. And she was teaching us that last week. We are also talking about losing identity. It's a following a generation of culture that has no identity. If you have no identity in this generation, how can you have identity in the subsequent generation? Because it passes on. See, Pastor Melly laid it all out last week. I explained that we live in a society with a personality disorder. That's what it was discussed, a personality disorder. And that is the root of our lost identity. It was explained by Pastor Melly that your personality is not you. Your personality is how you act. Everyone is trying to follow a personality, and that is how they act. Meaning it's not real. It's fabricated. Personality disorder comes from copying what is not real. For example, an identity that is not under God. It's not from God. People who are stuck stay stuck because they choose to follow a personality. Imagine all of those reality TV shows. Okay? So they choose to follow a personality instead of trying to be who God wants them to be. See, the, the personality disorder, that confusion comes from, what am I supposed to be like? So people look at these reality TV shows. They look at social media. They follow other things instead of following what God wants them to be. So when being misguided, they go down a wrong path. Because when you're following the wrong leader, then you'll go down the wrong path. When you're following the right leader, for example, the king, then you'll be on the right path. So that's what we talked about last week. That's a quick summary of what we chatted about last week. Today, buckle up, hang on, we're going to go deeper. Your purpose is the truth in your identity. 
That's tonight's topic. Your purpose, purpose, is the truth in your identity. So we're going to talk about identity as it relates to your purpose. So you probably know that I'm talking about the purpose that God gave you. But see, people don't do that. Okay? So our agenda, we have six items we're going to talk about tonight. This is what I'm going to spend time with tonight. Number one, we're going to talk about man is made in God's image. That's the good identity. Everyone give me a thumbs up. Good identity. Right? Thumbs up. Number two, we're going to talk about the Sodom and Gomorrah story. That's the bad identity. Show me a thumbs down. That's a bad identity. Number three, we're going to talk about the journey on the road of life. Look at that. The journey on the road of life. And that's living with identity. And then number four, we'll talk about who you are and what you do. What do I mean by what you do? You do things. You're identified by what you do. You might have a job. You might have a title. But there's other services and other functions you do in society and in your community. So we'll talk about that, living with your identity. And then also the seasonal changes that happen. The way you were as a child is not the same as the way you are as an adult. And then number five, we'll talk about what is value. What is value? And that we're talking about our God-given significance. And then finally, we'll talk about the hurt we have that we pass on. We'll talk about the hurt we have in the past that passes on to our current generation and the hurt that we continue on in our subsequent generations. So that's my agenda tonight. That's what we'll talk about. So the series topic we are on is, who am I? You know, this is very timely. This is very timely. Just recently, we talked about it at the Bravehearted Men's uh, meeting. We had it on May 7th at, here at the Resurrection Center. The meeting was titled, The Design of Your Identity. And it was in, in May 7th. And the question we asked when we had that meeting was, who am I? We discovered we have an identity that is designed by God. Not by me, not by you, not by people, but by God. That's what we learned. We talked about who you are and where you're going. We talked about your future. Are you heading north? Are you heading south? We learned that man is made in God's image. We are intended to be modeled after God. That is why we are his children. So tonight, as I chat with you, I have this little fireside chat with you. We talk tonight. I'm going to be throwing a lot of scriptures out, okay? Too many, really, to write down. But the reason why I share that with you is because the Holy Spirit guided this conversation tonight so that we could actually learn something that is biblical in stance. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, the scripture says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Did you hear me say male? Yes. Did you hear me say female? Did, did you hear that part? Yes. Maybe for some people, I have to read that again. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created mankind in his own image. 
In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. You see, Sodom and Gomorrah were two cities mentioned in the book of Genesis. You should take a look at chapter 19 and you'll learn about it. I'm going to tell you about it tonight. It's a good example of lost identity, resulting in people asking, who am I? Or others asking, who are you? See, Sodom and Gomorrah have been used historically to understand God's disapproval of certain sexual behaviors. A sodomite is a person who commits sodomy. What does that mean? Well, sodomy is illicit behavior not designed by God. What do we mean by illicit behavior? You see, evil is all around us in today's society. From lying and stealing to pornography to drugs to illicit sex and violence and more. Other sins are an abomination, an abomination to God. And it's described in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 through 19. Proverbs 6, verse 16 through 19. And I'll read it to you. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. Abomination. Yes. The study of homosexuality is in the Bible. People say it's in the Bible. Yes. The study of homosexual, homosexuality, I should say, is in the Bible that some churches and ministers are afraid to talk about. Except me. It goes against their marketing. See, I can be like them. Look at this. Look at this. See, look at this. Where, where's Minister Wayne? Look at this. See, Minister Wayne, I got tools like you. Look at this. See, I can, I can do flashy lights. Look at that. I can do flashy lights. Um, I could get a toupee and get fancy hair. I've got to get tighter jeans or something. I, I can look fancy. I could do that. So basically, in Genesis chapter 19, God sends, this is a little in a nutshell, Genesis chapter 19. God sends two angels disguised as men to Sodom, where the men of Sodom threatened to rape them. Let me translate that. Homosexuality. Now, why was it common back in the day? You see, same-sex rape was a common tactic of aggression and humiliation in the ancient world. It's part of history. See, when you study the Bible, you're also studying history. God then destroys the city with fire and brimstone. So that's in a nutshell. But I'll tell you exactly how, and, and, and for those who have a crayon and a coloring book, you might want to write this down. Um, this is what the Bible says about homosexuality. Number one, sin that is so grievous. That's in Genesis chapter 18, verse 20. Genesis chapter 18, verse 20. And the next one, homosexuality as a sin. This is studied with four scriptures packaged together. Okay, so... Uh, Genesis chapter 19, verse 4 through 8. That's the first one. Genesis chapter 19, verse 4 through 8. There's a lot of these, so I won't read these. Uh, 
this is another class that maybe we'll do, um, if approved. Uh, Jude chapter 1 verse 7, Ezekiel chapter 16 verse 50, and Second of Peter chapter 2 verse 4 through 9. So you study this all together. That's homosexuality as a sin. Genesis chapter 19 verse 4 through 8, Jude chapter 1 verse 7, Ezekiel chapter 16 verse 50, and Second of Peter Chapter 2, verse 4 through 9, packaged together. See, now you know. Now you know where you can find it in the Bible. And then God's disapproval of this sin that we're referring to, that's in Genesis chapter 19, verse 13 through 15. And then God's judgment on the sin, that's in Genesis chapter 19, verse 24 through 28. So now you know what the Bible says about LGBTQIA, and the, and the letters LGBTQIA stand for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, or questioning, intersex, and asexual. I thought it would be kind of quiet here. I think I lost half my Facebook crowd. <laughs> we also learned our position that God placed us in, in Deuteronomy, chapter 28, verse 13. We are to be leaders of the land God gave us. We are to be bold and aware of who we are. It's part of our identity. We lost sight of that when we start reading about Sodom and Gomorrah. See? And let me get my Facebook crew back. Let's see. Look, look. I got my lights. I got my flashing lights. Uh, I don't have the hair. I don't have the skinny jeans. So... Um, I'm not about the marketing. This is, this is scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 13 says, The Lord will make you the head, not the tail. If you pay attention, did you hear that? If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord, your God, that I give you this day and carefully follow them, you will always be at the top, never at the bottom. And that's in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 13. So where are my Facebook friends? People on Facebook? Rachel, who's on Facebook? So have you seen such confused people on Facebook? Did you ever see a post? Tell me if you've seen a post. I've seen it. A post that says, your porn name is your favorite color and the last food you ate. What? <laughs> what? It says, put a comment. Your poor name is your favorite color and the last food you ate. That's what it said. People reply to this stuff. Well, I know what a yellow banana is, but it's not a person, and it's not me. Who's blue spaghetti? Who's purple linguine? What's with you people? Why answer such a thing? You don't need Facebook to tell you who you are. But people reply to this stuff. Blue spaghetti. So why are you here today? Why are you here today? You here for the free popcorn? You here for the free popcorn? Did you get popcorn? Oh. Didn't get pop. It's in the back row. Free popcorn's in the back row. Okay. So why are you here? Look at your actions. You had a purpose. 
and you did something. You got in a car, you went in a direction, and you had a destination. There was purpose. A purpose has an identity. What is your destination? You're here. Look, you're here. Why are you here? What are you doing here? See, the answer, it relates to your identity. Say identity. Identity. So let's talk about your identity. My parents told me that I could be anyone I want to be. Did your parents say that to you? But it turns out that identity theft is a crime. What's up with that? It bothers me that someone may steal my identity and use it to make thousands of dollars behind my back. It mostly bothers me because I currently have my own identity and I can't even figure out how to do that. <laughs> it can't all be gems, right? <laughs> so let's talk about our journey. We're talking about travel, our destination. Our journey in life and the road we travel. See, on the road of life, there are traffic lights. See, like you drive a car, there are traffic lights. Traffic lights are in green, in yellow, and in red. That means go, caution, stop. Our caution comes from fear. We stop because we don't believe. And fear is not believing. What is that? It comes from not knowing who we are in Christ. That's why we struggle with our journey in life and the road that we travel in life. Today, we're going to learn who we are in Christ. Our first stop in our journey is to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Sounds simple enough. We might say something like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, and I ask for forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In your name, amen. So that's the first step. That's the first thing you do. People sin because it is human nature to do so. That means we're born into it. But we can start moving in the right direction away from sin. It's a choice. We have a choice. Consider Romans chapter 5, verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So also by one man's obedience, many will be made sinners. Righteous, And that's in Romans chapter 5, verse 19. Did you notice that there's a choice? Obedience and disobedience. The easy way, the hard way. The right way or the wrong way. God created and gave man the gift of free will. The gift of choice. He could have easily made us as robots. We can choose to know who we are in Christ, or we can choose to be blue spaghetti or purple and greeny. God made us the purpose of relationship and love. Relationship and love. Both relationship and love are only possible in a world where we have the power to choose. That's where the free will came from. See, God designed us to know how to make 
the right choice. We can celebrate this with Psalms, chapter 139, verse 14. And the scripture says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. And that's in Psalms, chapter 139, verse 14. Even with free will, we need to show constraint. Through biblical principles, we are still morally morally responsible for choices and actions. Free will is one thing, and being morally responsible is another. That's right. People know about free will. Fewer people know about being morally responsible. And even fewer people than that know that being morally responsible can be learned through biblical principles. We know that because of church attendance. Few people are learning. Look around you tonight. Now let's ask the question. Who are you? And what are you doing? What you do is based on who you are in each season of your life. Who you are determines what you do and your identity. Who are you? What are you doing? It changes in each season of life. So here's an example. As a toddler, there's a little baby, I was sucking my thumb. I had a twin sister, thumb, and my twin sister was sucking my toe. <laughs> As a kid, I was a reader and a runner. Looks, and I love to run. As a boy, I was an ice skater and a baseball player. I wasn't a good baseball player. I was a bad baseball player, but I played. I, I, I was like this. This is baseball player. See, right? Okay. Ready? Are you ready? That was me. Steve you're out. As a youth, I was a tech guy. I liked programming computers. I was fixing tractors and motorcycles. Yeah, I know what it comes to a carburetor is. I fixed a few. I've also replaced a connecting rod during the blizzard of 1978 in Boston so that roadways could be cleared. As an older guy, I'm a husband. I'm an uncle. I'm a mentor, a teacher, a friend, and more. And even my jokes are getting better, sort of. <laughs> When I was young, I did foolish things. You don't look surprised. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, when I was young, I did foolish things, for lack of a better term, right? Later, I lived through the consequences. I like that, consequences. Now I'm older, I do less foolish things. Notice I didn't say I do not do foolish things. I just do less. See, that's called experience. Experience turns into wisdom. It's part of your identity. First of Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11 says, When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. See, Scripture shows us that we change over time. Because we change over time, who we are changes. Our identity changes. This changes the identity of who we are. We change how we relate to people, too. Do you notice that your circle of influence 
In some cases, it's larger in some areas, and in other areas, it's smaller. You might impact more people, maybe at your job professionally, but maybe personally, it might be fewer people, but it changes over time. Do you notice that your skills and talents as you get older don't matter? It's what you do with people that matter. God gave you the skills and talents, so he's not overwhelmingly impressed. See, God knows what he gave you. God is impressed with what you do with the gifts and talents for his kingdom. You know how God can be impressed? Your character and your integrity. It determines who you are in Christ. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, the scripture reads, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. So let's ask another question. Do you have value? Are you important? Important to who? To your friend? To God? To who? Do you have value? What is your value? Do you ever feel you are in a place where no one sees your value? A story I found on the web. Scenario. There's enough variations of the story to show Maybe it's slightly stretched, but I can see how it can be real in many cases. But I share it with you because it teaches a, a good lesson. So I'll, I'll, I'll read this story to you, and I'll tell you what we learned from it. A father said to his daughter, you graduated with honors. Here's a car I acquired many years ago. It is several years old, but before I give it to you, take it to the used car lot downtown and tell them I want to sell it and see how much they offer you. So the daughter went to the used car lot and returned to her father and said, they offered me $1,000 because it looks very worn out. The father said, take the car to the pawn shop. So what did the daughter do? The daughter went to the pawn shop, returned to her father and said, the pawn shop offered me $100 because it was a very old car. Then, then, the father asked his daughter to go to the car club and show them the car. The daughter took the car to the club and returned and told her father. Some people in the club offered $100,000 for it since it's a 1968, a 1968 Pontiac Grand Prix with a 450 cubic inch engine, that's about 7.5 liters, with eight lug nuts on the mags, mags back then, it's called the rims, and dual exhaust resonators off the carbureted engine. Carbureted engine. A black vinyl top with a powdered blue paint job accented with this big, heavy chrome grille in the front. It's an iconic car and sought out by many. The father said to his daughter, the right place values you the right way. If you are not valued, do not be angry. It means you are in the wrong place. Those who know your value are those who appreciate you. Never stay in a place where no one sees your value. So what did we learn from that fun story? God knows your value and puts you in a place where your value can be seen. Amen. God knows your value. You don't know your value. God knows your value. It's because you have a purpose. 
that purpose, that God-given purpose, has a value. God wants it to shine for his glory. Not your glory, for his glory. So don't be in the wrong place. Knowing your value is the first step to asking for what you deserve. God has placed value on your life because you are his child. You are a child of God with a purpose. That purpose has a God-given value that goes beyond what anyone can pay for. First of Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a royal nation, God's special possession, that you may declare praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And Jeremiah 29, 11, my favorite scripture, teaches us our value in the kingdom of God's glory. And Jeremiah 29, 11 says, and see, look at this, see, got it on my bracelet here. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. You see, God has a plan for you. Your plans are not God's plans. No, no. God created you for his plans, not yours. See, God's plan is the identity he has for you. Did you hear that? God's plan is the identity he has for you. As a creation of God, the identity of God has for you is part of a much larger plan than yours could possibly ever be. People facing difficult situations today can take comfort in Jeremiah 29, 11, knowing that it is not a promise to immediately rescue us from hardship or suffering. That's not it. No. But rather a promise that God has a plan for our lives, and regardless of our current situation, he can work through it to prosper us and to give us hope. That's how it works. Oh, oh, and by the way, that 1968 Pontiac Grand Prix with a 450 cubic engine, my mother had one for 23 years. And yes, it was powder blue with eight lug nuts on the mag. Oh, and that sound, that, that throttled sound, it was amazing. Now let's talk about how the past hurt us and how we pass the hurt to future generations. Did you hear that? See, we do that. It happened to us, and we, we pass it on. Okay, we're going to talk about how the past hurt us and how we pass the hurt to future generations. See, today's youth, today's youth generation is a result of today's adults. Recently, I was reading my devotional and focused on meditation during a private prayer and worship with my wife. I posted my reading... I took a screenshot and I posted it. Maybe you saw it. Blue Spaghetti must have seen it. I think Purple Linguini unfriended me. I still don't know who Yellow Banana is. But I was reading my devotional. And what it said was parents that are constantly terror-stricken can easily pass this fear to their children. The passage goes on to talk about children. When we read adulthood, their hearts are the seedbed in which the devil grows fear. 
I'll say that again. When they, that means the children, when they reap adulthood, their hearts are the seedbed in which the devil grows fear. So it grows over generations. Parents have the responsibility to care for their children's emotional well-being. And in Colossians chapter 3, verse 21, the scripture says, Fathers, don't provoke your children so that they won't be discouraged. Colossians chapter 3, verse 21. And then in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, you fathers don't provoke your children to wrath. And that's in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Put a little focus. Put a little prayer into your life. Remember the letters in prayer, what they mean. What does prayer mean? P-R-A-Y-E-R. P-R-A-Y-E-R. Pray regularly as your everyday routine. That's what prayer means. That means to have a daily communication, a daily communication with God so that you are not alone. You can defeat fear with God's word in the Bible. This victory is part of the identity God wants you to have. I like that, huh? You like that? Victory equals identity. See, God is good. Second of Samuel, chapter 22, verse 33 through 35. Again, that's second of Samuel, chapter 22, verse 33 through 35. It is God who arms me with strength and keeps my way secure. He makes me feel like the feet of a deer. He causes me to stand on the heights. He trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. You see, you can develop an attitude of victory. An attitude of victory. So you can defy fear and banish frustration. Be persistent. Let the word in the Bible given by God take root in your life to have a radical influence to overcome fear and anxiety. It is done in faith. What is faith? Faith is belief in God's glory. Trust in his word. Trust in God helping you triumph over fear. Have faith. That means believe in God's salvation. Trust in his promises. Be obedient to his principles. That's faith. Colossians chapter 3 verse 2 through 3 says, this is Colossians chapter 3 verse 2 through 3 says, Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That answers your question, where are you? In other words, you abandon any image of yourself that is not of God. None of this blue spaghetti. You start believing what God says about you. Jeremiah 29.11 shows that God has given a purpose for you. The Bible says that when your identity is rooted in Christ, the fruits you produce in your life will be the evidence of your identity. So one of the best ways to be able to tell if someone truly has the identity rooted in Christ is by looking for the fruits of the Spirit mentioned in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 23. It's an easy way to listen to how they talk. 
You can hear, by the way a person talks, you can hear the fruits of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 23 says, and I'll read it to you, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And that is Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 23. Listen to how you talk. Listen to yourself. Do you show the fruits of the Spirit? Or do you complain? Do you fight? Do you argue? Do you show pride? Knowing your God-given identity gives you a confirmation of who God is and increases your faith. You know that you're already equipped to do what God is calling you to do. As seen in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. And you have the faith that God will do his work, God's work, through you as a vessel. See, have faith that God will do his work through you as a vessel. That's part of your identity. No longer do you need to worry about other, what other people think or even think about what you think about yourself. What's more important is what God thinks about using you for his glory. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 says, read it. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. And that's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. God looks at you and he sees someone he loves. Someone he desires to be close with. Someone in need of a savior. Someone he desires to be close with. He looks to you in need of a savior. That's what God looks. Your true identity is formed through self-awareness and biblical principles. Biblical principles. It's by letting go of self selfishness and pride. Then your choice, your choice, become aligned with what God called you to be. It's your true identity. Your God-given identity is one that discards selfishness and personal desires. You see, God desires his people to be saved. And God desires to have us to be with him in eternity. Only with him. And as you all know, nothing is powerful enough to stop God with what he has planned. In conclusion, we started our talk tonight about the road of life. We said there were traffic lights on that road. Traffic lights are in green, yellow, and red. That means go, caution, and stop. The only road you can blow through a red light is on the highway to heaven. Know who you are. And be all that you can be. God wants you to be something special. Nothing will slow you down. Nothing will stop you. So what did we do today? What did we do? We, we talked about a couple of things today. We learned a lot today. So what did we learn? Number one, we learned that man is made in God's image. Remember, that's the good identity. That's the thumbs up. Number two, see, see, I... I had to get my flashy lights out, see.
See, see, get my flashing light so I don't scare anyone away. Um, number two, the Sodom and Gomorrah story. That's the bad identity. That's the thumbs down. Number three, the journey on the road of life. That's living with identity. Number four, we talked about who you are and what you do. We talked about the seasonal changes in your life. And number five, we talked about what is your value, your God-given significance. And number six, the hurt we have and pass on to generations. At this time, I ask if you're physically able, please rise and close your eyes and raise your hands to the heavens as I pray. Close your eyes and raise your hand. Dear Lord, we ask that we fully let go of our anxiety and fear. We choose to be in you. Today, Lord, we remind ourselves of our dependency on you. For we know in our 